Once again, if this is your first time listening into the Move Swiftly podcast, welcome to the show. I'm 100% sure you'll continue to come back for more. And if you are a regular listener, you know how we get down. You know how we get down. We have not just my solo episodes, but we have some absolutely incredible people that come on the show. And today is no different. Today is no different. He is a two-time, a two-time TEDx speaker, a best-selling author, and the host of your podcast mentor, Mr. Jonathan Jones, a.k.a. Jonathan Speaks. How you doing today, bro? I'm, I'm doing great. I'm doing great, Aswan. How are you doing, sir? Fantastic. Fantastic. I'm so excited to have you on, man, because a lot of your work, it, it touches on so many different on, on so many different levels. It touches especially the former athletes who are trying to find their way, trying to kind of carve out a lane for themselves. Your work is so important in terms of giving them that voice. So again, thank you for the work you're doing and thank you for coming on. Most definitely glad, glad to be here. Now, I, I really want to start this, kind of start this off with your experience in college because most of the, most of the folks that been on the show, a lot of the people that ha have had this ambition they were players you know they were former players they're former college players athletes and then they decide they want to get into speaking but you were a manager you were a manager at a for a basketball a collegiate basketball team can you just talk a little bit about that and you know what where the transition came most definitely so so my journey started as be, being a division three junior college team manager um, because I, I initially graduated in high school which I barely did after that it was just next in line for me to just go to college because my, my father, he's an attorney, my mother, she's an accountant. So college was the next thing, even though I necessarily didn't want to go, but I just knew that it was, it was required. So just spending, spending some time at the college. Then I, I realized that, that they had a basketball team and, and then I, I, I wanted to try out. I wanted to be a part of course, but at that point in time, we was already into the school year. And then the coach was like, Jonathan, we don't have any slots for you, but you can stay close to the team. So that was when he presented the opportunity to me to be the team manager and allow me to hang around the team and be close because he let me know that if a spot did happen to open up or a freak accident or whatever happened, then I would be the next in line to be considered. So that was where the journey really started, just in regards to being connected and being part of the team. Now, where'd you where'd you go to high school? So I, I went I went to Joseph Wheeler High School in Atlanta. Um, and at one point, at one point in my high school career, they were number one in the nation in uh, with with their basketball program. But I was on the JV team. I did not play varsity my senior year. I, I was on JV my junior year, though. 
Um, so there was a there was a gap in my basketball experience leaving from high school and then going to going to college. Okay. What then you just didn't want to play your senior year? No, I I didn't I didn't make the team because you you have to you oh, have yeah, to think okay, about yeah, they were number one, right, right. Yeah, right, I mean right. We, so, right, yeah, 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 yeah. We we had guys who who were in the NBA. We had guys who mm -hmm. were transferred over from schools. So it was just really, really competitive. Yeah, and so that didn't that didn't stop you from wanting to play though. Just because you got cut, it didn't stop you from at least trying out for a junior college team. I'm sure, you know, I could resonate a lot with that story. I'm sure there are a lot of people that are telling you don't even try. <laughs> you know, what what made it so you continued to push? Yeah, it, it, it was it was just the drive that that was cultivated within me from mm -hmm. um, from from one just wanting to still play basketball. Like I, I still wanted to play basketball and and getting to play uh, and be a part of the JV team. I, I felt like my career wasn't over just yet, and I and I had I had big dreams of you know going to a Division One school, even though that didn't happen. But it, it was still it was still a goal for me. So yeah. that's what kept me motivated. That's what kept me doing workouts and, you know, just wanting to position myself in that way. And that mindset, though, you know, because that that very similar situation happened to me when I was 19. I went to a Division Two school named Carson Newman and I tore my ACL that freshman year. But then I went to go transfer to a Division One school. And it was like, come on, bro. It was like you you went to a division two school and then you tore your ACL. You have to sit out of here and you think you're gonna go transfer to a division one school. But hey, I got it done and that's where I graduated. That's where I got my degree from Stony Brook University. So, you know, I want I really want how did you, you know, after college and after you kind of went through that college experience being the manager, what happened that like what did you learn as a manager and then how did it transition into your your career now? Yeah, well, I, I had the opportunity to be humbled, uh, ultimately. So really, that is the truth right there when you go through something like that. Yeah, man, I had the opportunity to, to be humbled, you know, going in and setting out the guys jerseys and and washing the jerseys. Uh, but but then in addition to that, I had an opportunity to see where I could potentially fit in. Um, so after after that first year of being, being the manager, um, then the next year, an, another coach came in and he was like, John, I, I've seen you around the team. Uh, he was like, I think you could have a spot on this team. So not only being the manager, then that that year while I was the manager, I was playing intramural basketball. And then I was like, you know what? I want them to see how good I am. So then I ended up being the, the, the leading scorer that season in intramural basketball just to prove that I should have had a spot and I deserved a spot on that team. So that those, those are a few of the lessons I learned. Definitely getting humbled. But then the other one was saying that if I know that I had a goal that I wanted to achieve, then staying true to that goal and not, not taking my eyes off of it. And, and it, what's beautiful about that, and this is for all you guys listening in, is he wasn't doing it for some coach. Like the important aspect of everything you're laying out is that it was working within. And too often, too often, especially when we these these great athletes, these these football, these football, this football or basketball, whatever the sport is, those these sports heroes I like to call them, is that they're put, they're putting in a lot of work, but it's for a coach. And you know that self battle when it comes to that life after athletics, they don't know how to function because they're not used to actually putting in work for themselves. You know, so the habit that you created in terms of I'm going to continue to work and continue to work, it led to some to you doing some major, major things after graduation. 
So give me just, just tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. So, so my, so my time at, at that junior college, we ended up wrapping up and we ended up winning a, a junior college national championship. Then uh, going on transferring out to a division three school, which is division two now. Um, and I barely graduated from there, but what school was it? Yeah. I went to the university of Texas at Tyler. Okay. Mm-hmm. So went, went to the university of Texas at Tyler, finished up, uh, got my, got my degree. Uh, but then as one, I, I'd be lying to the people if I just jumped over some stuff. But then that was the part where that confusion hit. And mm-hmm. I didn't know what I was supposed to do, what I wanted to do. It wasn't clear of what I was going to do. Um, yeah. But it was a span of about probably like three years where I was doing inventories, working in stores late at night, counting items. Then I started delivering phone books door to door. And it was just random jobs in addition to then saying, okay, well, I have some sales experience. Let me, let me tap into that. So this was when things started getting clear. However, that was when I got fired because I was stealing. Oh man. Wow. (laughs) Yeah, man. So uh, I I wasn't clear on what I wanted to do, but then uh, old old habits die hard. And then after this point where I'm probably at my low because I, I got fired from a job and mm-hmm. I was a great sales associate. And then I was looking to transfer to Dallas where I was going to become a manager. And then the now, ladies, now what was the, what was the job? So I, so I was working at, at finish line at the time, like, you know, where okay. you, you go in yeah, right yeah, before yeah. you buy shoes, then they try to sell you the cleaner and the socks and all that. I, I was one of those Oh guys. yeah. Yeah. I spent, I spent a little time at lady foot locker too. So I know that life, bro. Yeah, man. Yeah. So I mean, <laughs> I that life. It, it, it was, it, it was doing that. And then when I tried to transfer out, they was like, okay, John, we'll, we'll let you transfer out. But before we do, we just have to do this investigation because some stuff was happening in the Tyler store, which, mm-hmm. I was a part of, unfortunately. Um, but after doing all of that, then I went back to a nonprofit that I grew up in, and the CEO says, "Jonathan, I would love for you to have. I would love for you to come back and, and come work with me, because I was volunteering there as a kid, participating in turkey drives and all that type stuff. Mm-hmm. But the biggest thing that stood out there was the opportunity to." teach children and i don't i don't know why but i've always had just like a passion to work with kids so then i started doing an after school program and then we were giving them meals and we were tutoring pre-k all the way up to fifth grade and that was when my life really started to change because Mm -hmm. i started to realize that if i didn't do certain things then that would negatively impact these children who were pre-k fifth grade yeah so Working there, then I saw the value that I could add through service. And then I got into speaking through working with them. And then it started, you know, then I started speaking at elementary schools and middle schools and high schools. And, and then it just went on and on down the line. But without, without that time, uh, working at Services of Hope is what the nonprofit was called. Yeah, I heard of them, yeah. And then without uh, Dr. Prescott pushing me out because he would make me speak sometimes. Hmm. He would get the opportunity to speak and he'd say, Jonathan, I don't want to, I don't want to speak here. Uh, you mind doing this? Hey, Jonathan, what about this? I don't, you know, I need to, I got some stuff I need to do. I'm going to send you here 
instead of me. And then it was it was one specific time where uh, he was supposed to do the prayer and the devotional. And he said, Jonathan, hey, I want you to go do this. It's tomorrow. And I was like, okay. And I said, do you want me to tell the lady I'm going to replace you? She, he was like, no, 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 no. It'll, it'll be fine. J just show up there and then tell her that I sent you. Because he knew that if I didn't, if I said something to her, to the fact that he won't be able to make it, then ultimately, then they would bump the slot and get somebody else to fill it. So he had foresight in that in that area. Well, first of all, we got to shout him out. This is Dr. Prescott. Yeah, do Dr. Daniel Prescott. Shout out to Dr. Daniel Prescott. Now, this was someone that knew you from when you were a kid. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Wow. Wow. Yeah, and yeah. what? Well, what made you go back there? Was it just because you were you were low in life and you just needed some guidance? Yeah, it, it, it was the fact that I, I was low in life and finding a job. I, like, yeah. this, is, this, this is one thing that I, I think people may, might overlook, but finding a job to where you feel fulfilled is mm -hmm. very challenging. Like it can be really, really challenging. Finding a job to where you're fulfilled and then on top of that, that job helping you pay bills is very right. challenging. So I, I, I went back there because one, I knew I was doing purposeful work, but two, that's why I needed a check, man. I needed a check. <laughs> I'm telling you, man, that that is so true because of this this world we live in where the entrepreneurial spirit is so high. And everybody nowadays wants to be a quote unquote entrepreneur. Everybody nowadays think they could just post something on social media and all of a sudden that makes you an entrepreneur. You feel like you can just make a website and that makes you an entrepreneur. It doesn't work like that does not work like that. You've yeah. got to have the drive and then you got to really, really be doing it from a, from the heart. Like I have a similar, there's a similar situation. I had, I was 25 and I had hit rock bottom, Jonathan. I mean, I tried to start this pro team, the semi-pro team in Ocean City, lost everything. My car was repossessed. My phone was gone, everything. Mm -hmm. And I found a quote unquote job as a sales associate at LA Fitness. And I happened to be just very much like you. I just happened to be with one of the other counselors was a was a volunteer basketball coach. And I just happened to help him out. And then the feeling, the same feeling you're talking about when it comes to those kids changes the world. It changes your world. So the point is, whatever it is you're doing, make sure that you're benefiting. You're doing it to benefit the younger generation, because when you when you cross that threshold and you're into that real world in life everything becomes about the money it's not going to be about how fancy the logo is and how cool the slogan is it's going to be about the money and if your mindset isn't about how am i going to help the next generation you are losing you're going to be losing you're losing every day it's so important <laughs> all right so now you got you got your mentor and you know you're speaking regularly and things like that how did the the TEDx talks, how did all of that, how did it blow up the way it blew up? Yeah, so the T TEDx talk came by way of, uh, you know, I, I would always watch them, I would study them. And then there was mm -hmm. a young lady who uh, happened to be in the Dallas area. And at the time, I was going to uh, Southern Methodist University. So I, I saw that they were putting on a TEDx conference, and I reached out, I was like, hey, I'd love to speak. And she was like, uh, okay, well, we're doing applications, apply here. I, I applied and I got shut down. <laughs> and then mm -hmm. I probably emailed her for maybe like a year. It seemed like a year at least. She would kept saying no, kept saying no, kept saying no. And then one time she came back around and she's like, Jonathan, 
So we have this coming up. I think you might be a good fit, just apply. So I did. And then, you know, I got accepted. So I show up at the time that she tells me. I'm looking around, I see, I see that TEDx red circle, but we're outside in a breezeway. And I'm like, I don't think oh, this is uh I, I I don't think this is what you know the TEDx is supposed to be. I don't think I I think I'm in the wrong spot. And she was like, no, 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 this this is it, this is it. And I was like, okay. So then I presented, and then later I found out that uh it was really like her testing me out. So wow. went through that process, you know, and then um, she came back and said, John, I think you would be great to present to the kids. And then I had the opportunity to do the do the TEDx speaking to the youth. Once again, falling in line with me, you know, wanting to serve and want to add value to the youth. And then from from me doing that, that TEDx opportunity, um, then I began to do a little bit more speaking and still still going and, and, and adding value to the youth. But then I wanted to transition to adding value to uh, student athletes and adding value to college players. So then we made that transition from speaking at colleges to mm -hmm. more so speaking at colleges, focusing on athletic departments and student mm -hmm. athletes. Now you are the third, you're officially the third TEDx speaker that's been on this, on this show. And I'm, I'm aspiring to be a TEDx speaker myself. What, what is it about the TED talks that makes it like the thing that if you want to be a speaker, you got to get, you got to do that. What is it about those talks? Is it, is it the, just the setting or in someone that's actually been there? I'm curious to know. Yeah. So I think it's just one of those things to where it's a conversation starter, right? Because now in mm -hmm. today's age, just like you're talking about before being an entrepreneur, like it seems like a lot of people are quote unquote entrepreneurs, especially right. if you are one, then if you're an author as well, a lot of people are authors podcast host there's a good amount of people that are pop, like it's one of those things to where it gives you something to stand out a little bit and mm -hmm. even in addition to that it's one of those things to where then somebody always wants to know well what did you speak about like what what was your topic it, it's one of those things to where it creates a level of curiosity i would say yeah uh but e even in addition to that it, it's one of those things that to where it's set up for you to want to do it right because it's, right. it's it's one of those things that not everybody gets to do but having the opportunity is, is pretty amazing so that that's what what i'd say it's just one of those things that falls in line like with the speaker then it's mm -hmm. like the tedx so that, that that's that's really what, what i would say just in regards to you know why it's so sought after yeah when I, I used to train at a gym named nine round i was the like the lead trainer there and I would always give the members like quotes of the days or question of the days and all that. And one of the ladies comes in, is like, oh man, you got to do a TED talk. This was like a year <laughs> and a half ago. I was like, what? I didn't even hear about it until about a year and a half ago. And now that I've, I've gotten into the speaking world, it's like, it just keeps coming up and keeps coming up. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's definitely one of those things that, that will, will continue to come up uh, mm -hmm. just because it's, 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 I feel that's almost like synonymous with speaking. Yeah. Um, that, you know, it just, it just gives you, gives you another, another stamp to show people how, how, how solid you are and what you do, or it's just a, a really innovative idea that you've created to, to really challenge people to think a different way. Right. Right. Now you also have some books out, right? Uh, our best-selling author. Can you talk a little bit about what your books are about? Cause you, you already mentioned the transition into more so focusing on athletic departments, you know, what was that like? And then how'd that all that come about? 
Yeah. So, um, so I have my, so my, my first book is entitled process 14 surprisingly simple behaviors to skyrocket millennials to success. And I wrote this book just to really uh, inspire the millennial generation to uplift the millennial generation. And uh, th th like typically when, when I speak with, with colleges and things like that, um, I typically speak on the book because it's geared towards, you know, how to effectively create relationships and how to be mm -hmm. educated and uh, how to be determined and be positive. These are things that I feel can easily be overlooked, but at the same time, I feel that they're necessary for us to self-reflect on. So, you know, I have self-reflection questions in the book geared towards those topics. And uh, then outside of that, then I wrote another book, which uh, is an e-book and it's called, you know, seven, way seven ways ultimately to better serve and support student athletes, like to set them up for career transition success. So uh, we, we, we put out, put out those two, those two projects. Uh, but the, but the biggest, the biggest focus, the biggest focus now is just helping more people start podcasts, right? So we put out, put mm -hmm. out the book because that was a, a that, that was a stepping stone for what was next and which helped me get in the door, speaking to colleges and helping right. college athletes. And then ultimately me doing what I'm doing now, just around podcasting is just the next step up from the development of process and of the other books. But that that's the biggest focus now because I believe that so many people are missing the mark or so many people are not aware of a gold mine that's literally right in front of our noses. Right now, I'm glad you said, cause that's exactly what I was gonna ask you. I was gonna ask you kind of what's next and what you're doing now. Now with your work as a, as, as a podcast mentor, how do you, you know, what kinds of things do you deal with day to day? What are some of the challenges and the, the things that are difficult for you to maintain? Because I think sometimes podcasting, like for me personally, I thought it was something that I would have to pay a set of money for. But luckily I, I had a friend, I have a friend, his name's shout out to Taj. You know, he told me just get on anchor and just start speaking, you know? So what are some of the things that you go through day to day when it, when it comes to helping people start their podcast? True, true. The, the biggest piece is actually mindset, believe it or yeah. not. And it, it's, it's mindset and it's developing a work ethic for the fact of, just like you said, you can, you can go on YouTube and I, and I tell clients, I tell clients this before I work with them and everything like that. You can go on YouTube and find the information on how to start a podcast. Everything that's in my program, you can find on YouTube but it's, it's going to take you some time because you don't know the right questions to ask and you don't know the right places to look. Uh, however, um, when it comes to somebody being successful in a podcasting space, you first and foremost have to be committed to the journey because building out a platform on a podcast is it's challenging mentally because for me, so for me, this is my, what this is the fourth podcast that I'm rolling out with your podcast mentor uh, with mm -hmm. Jonathan Jones. And the thing that I understand at this point is I understand that the numbers are going to start off slow. I understand not to expect a thousand listens, 5,000 listens, a hundred thousand listens. I understand that because I've been in the industry so long. However, in our minds, if we're doing something new, of course, we think we're the best. We we think we're the best thing 
since Strawberry Shortcake, just because we, we're going to think highly of ourselves. And I think you should, right? I think everybody should think highly of themselves. Mm-hmm, right. But it's just normalizing the struggle. Because you, you have to understand that there's going to come a point in time to where you're going to put out some content and then nobody's going to listen to an episode. There's going to be times where you don't know what topics to pull. There's going to be times where you need to talk with somebody and say, well, what equipment should I use? What equipment's better? And if you don't have the experience or if you haven't tried different things, then you're going to be now asking YouTube these questions. But everybody Mm -hmm. on YouTube is going to be pushing their own agenda for their own products or, you know, their own thing. So like I said before, I think the biggest challenge is mindset. It's also creating the habit and work ethic, developing those things. And then lastly, I mean, without a community, I've seen a lot of people struggle. I've seen a lot of people quit. And then I've seen a lot of people just say, uh, I mean, I thought it was for me, but it's really not. But people, sometimes I think we lie to ourselves and we we just have to be honest. Like we we lie to ourselves just to give ourselves an excuse to quit and to stop and to leave. But those would be some of the biggest things that, that I've seen consistently. And also it's the critics, man. I mean, I've, I've had my own family. They might hear something on a podcast that I get ripped and it, it gives me reasons to say, damn, maybe I shouldn't say this or it, it mentally. I love how you say that you got to commit to the journey because your family and friends may not necessarily like what you say, but if you're really serious about growing it, you got to keep rolling regardless. You know, have you encountered situations like that? Yeah. Fa- family and family and friends are not going to like what you have to say on the on one side and on the other side family and friends are not going to support the show because you're going to think that they should support the show but Mm -hmm. in all honesty family and friends may not be your target audience so if you're saying certain things that are geared towards your target audience and then your family's like i don't like that i don't like that and then you stop doing it now you're trying to please family and friends who might have heard one episode and then aren't going to listen again but then on the other side, now you're alienating the target audience that you said that you wanted to serve. And that's a dangerous place to be because of the fact of you trying to please somebody who isn't putting food on your table, not putting money in your pocket. So we, mm-hmm. we have to be careful of that as well. Yeah, and it, this this one book I read, it's called Transformational Speaking by, I think it's Gail, uh, last name completely slipped out of my mind, but it's chapter seven. I mean, I was recommend. I used to go to Toastmasters a lot and the, the, I think he was the DTM or somebody like that. He recommended that book to me. And he, he told me by chapter seven, there's people who read it and say, I don't want to be speakers anymore. They don't want to be speakers anymore because of how much of your life, how transparent you have to be and how much of everything you got to put out there for, for public consumption. That's a serious thing. So everyone that's out there listening, that's an aspiring speaker, really take a long, hard, like really take a long, hard look to say, am I really willing to put all of my shit out there? Because once it's out there, it has a life of its own and it's not coming back. Like this episode right now is going to last forever. There's nothing, it's going to go on forever. So you got to really ask yourself, am I ready for this? Am I ready for this? Because it ain't for everybody. Oh yeah, most definitely. And, And that's the... Like that's the piece to where when you have to assess if me sharing something transparent is going to, if if the value of me sharing something transparent is gonna make me uncomfortable, is it more important for me to be uncomfortable to make an impact or is it more important for me not to share this thing so that 
I would be more comfortable, right? So it's it's just making the variation and ultimately being being selfless in in, yeah. in the transaction because if you want to really impact somebody's life, you're gonna have to be you're, you're gonna have to put your put your neck on the line. You got to put some skin in the game. Right. But you know if but if you want to you know just keep pushing through and operate in an area of what's comfortable, then I mean of course we can keep doing that, but we won't make as big of a uh, impact as we ultimately could long term. Right. And it shows with you, you know, you admitted to stealing. You know, there's not a lot of people that jump on a brand new show and put that out there. And, and that's the point I want to get to you guys. These are the little things that you have to do day to day, day to day, day to day. If you're really, especially, you know, and the more that I'm learning as a speaker, and by the time this comes out, I'm 100% sure I'll be full time as a public speaker, as a, as a speaker. And I'm learning now how important it is to be as transparent as possible and make sure everything is out there and however people take it. It's, it's like I, I was, I've read a, and I was listening to Jay-Z said, a closed mouth, don't get fed. Straight up. We'll leave it like that, man. <laughs> definitely, definitely. At, 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 the end, at the end of the day, you, ha you have to be transparent because on the other side of your transparency is the breakthrough for somebody else, the for somebody else to connect. Go. And for somebody else to say, wow, because you shared this, now I feel comfortable and yeah. I feel confident enough to share X, to share Y, to share Z. So yeah. we, we have to we, we have to understand that transparency ultimately is a key to somebody else's freedom. Absolutely, absolutely, man. So I want to be very respectful of your time, but I don't want to let you go without you explaining exactly how your services and you know what you offer. I know you're a podcast month. You know how can people get in touch with you, and what can they expect when they when they decide to work with you? For sure, for sure. Well, th thank you, thank you for the opportunity. You know to 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 be a to be a guest on the show. Uh, I definitely definitely value that. Uh, and. Um, people can, you know, people can connect with me if they're on Instagram, they go to Instagram and then type in Jonathan Jones speaks. And you know that that's where you can find me. I, I like to put out valuable tips and content to help people in their podcasting journey there. In addition to that, you know, you can go to you can go to my website, jonathanjonespeaks.com forward slash mentor and tap into the show. And then you also can, you know, just, just check out uh, my, my my program, which is on my website and you can just click like the coaching tab or the work with Jonathan tab and then you can find out more and you can sign up to you know for me to have you on a call and see how I can serve and support you there uh, but oh let, let me let me just let me just offer this this one this one uh one takeaway uh, as one just so people can have access to it you can mm -hmm. text hashtag podcast so like the number sign podcast to 678-658-3627 and then there they'll get access to a free podcast launch checklist. So we're removing mm -hmm. all excuses and all barriers today. But uh, th thank you once again, Aswan, for the opportunity. 100%, man. Anytime, anytime. It's been my pleasure. And last thing I like to do with all my guests, I want you to, to go back to probably about maybe two to three months after you graduated college. And, you know, things are tough. You're working these odd jobs and you're doing all these things. You're not knowing where exactly life is going to take you. Just go back and speak to that person because that person could be listening right now and give them some words of encouragement. Mm, wow. I would say continue to try new things, right? Continue to try different jobs. Continue to read more books and just see where it takes you. Because, at, you know, at, like at that time, 
I got really complacent in doing that job. And the reason why I ended up having to leave was because that job was wearing me down physically, mentally, and emotionally. Uh, but one thing that I've realized now that I did not realize then was uh, trying new things is really investing in yourself. Reading more books is opening up your imagination to the best version of you. So, you know, trying new things, reading more books, that's going to help you get to a place to where you can see where you should be or you can get to where you desire to be. So that, that would be my, my tidbit um, for the younger version of myself. You heard it here first, guys. Fellow teammates, continue to move swiftly. We will talk more soon. Oh